Good morning, it's so good to have you with us. You know, I'm delighted to see what's happening at the moment, even in the strangest of times. People are exploring joining us. I just want to say hello and welcome if that's you. You know, we've got a fight to get to know you. I think you've got a fight to get to know us, to be part of this. Um, I wish you didn't have to fight. We love to create environments where people can just easily um, be part of things, can easily explore Jesus, where you could just come as you are and you would experience a welcome and a warmth and hospitality. Sadly, it's not quite that easy at the moment. We've got to fight for you and you've got to fight for us. But I love hearing what's happening. I've heard some of the stories from the welcome team of people are just coming towards us, moving towards us and exploring what it looks like to be part of what God is doing among us. We love that. And I just want to say this morning, if that's you, you're so welcome. Honestly, reach out, say hello to somebody. We want to know you. You know, for all of us though, what a year so far this has been. In the past 12 months alone, we've had COVID, we've had racial injustice, we've had all that's going on with Brexit, we've had the economic situation that the, the Chancellor has said is unprecedented in the last 300 years. We, many of us have faced personal, physical, relational, spiritual, financial questions and conversations at an accelerated pace and outside of our usual frame of reference. Given that backdrop to our year, can I just remind us of something that King David said to Solomon? He said this in 1 Chronicles 28 verse 20. He says this, then David continued, be strong and courageous and do the work. Don't be afraid or discouraged for the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you nor forsake you. Can I say, keep doing keep living out, keep being faithful to all the Lord has called us to do. We do it in season and we do it out of season. If you feel right now that you're not thriving or you feel that you're just a bit up and down or you feel that there are good days or bad days or you feel that actually there's good hours and bad hours, you know, my honest view would be this of myself. I would say it is well with my soul because of Jesus. But I don't think, in all honesty, we're supposed to be thriving. In so many ways we can, but overall, we're not designed or created to live and relate like this. You know, I find it fascinating that for a ship, 90% of it's above the water, and yet for an iceberg, 90% of it is below the waterline. You know, this chapter of our lives requires us to have roots and foundations that are stable and strong. That is something we've got to invest in, it's something we've got to cultivate, that we ensure what is not seen, what is below the waterline, is able to sustain what is above the waterline and what is seen. In times of crisis, it's often only those that put their hand in the air and wave it that you realise are struggling because we're not as relationally connected as normally we might be. There may be many people who are finding this harder than maybe others realise. And we've got to be kind to ourselves. We have to ensure that we're regularly replenished and that we prioritise time with the Father. I just want to remind us, be strong and courageous and do the work. Don't be afraid or discouraged for the Lord God, my God, 
is with you. He will not fail you nor forsake you. You know, I, I want to encourage you, <clears throat> if you need to read that and reread that until you believe it, let, let that be something that you do today. Today, I just want to launch a new series called Make It Count. You know, this season that we're in is not going to last forever, but while it does, let's make it count. Let's gain all that we can from it. Today, I specifically just want to hone in on one phrase, <clears throat> and it's this, the way up is the way down. Now, that's going to make a bit more sense as I explain it. But first, can I just share a little picture with you? I don't know if you've ever taught a child to throw a ball. You know, when they're really young, it kind of doesn't work. They can't quite understand what you're asking of them. You just, you just throw the ball and it kind of hits them. And then when they're a bit older, they, they can throw it better and they can kind of semi-catch, although even when you throw it to them, literally that what they throw back could go anywhere. And then when they're a bit older, they start to get the catch thing, but you still really got to coach them through it. And that can take quite some time. You've got to be really patient for it, patient with it. Initially, the, the timing just doesn't match up. The ball can smack them before they've managed to move their arms to grab hold of it. Then when they start to get it, the catch rate goes up, but, but it's still pretty low and it still often hits them more than they're able to grab hold of it. And then after a while, after a few years, as they start to get the idea and get it under their belt, they get to the point where sometimes they do it better than we do it. Have you ever seen that? That's at least in my case anyway. But I find it amazing to then watch them start to teach others, to show others how to throw and catch, not even necessarily doing that deliberately, but without realizing, taking others on the journey. Now. I don't know if you see what I mean, but I think that's often a bit like discipleship. It's a bit like the journey of learning. It's a bit like a number of things, actually. It's a bit like how we understand grace, because not everybody starts in the same place. Sometimes we think what are our good intentions could, to the other person, feel like just throwing a ball in their face. And as a church community, our desire and our longing is to raise sons and daughters. We're investing in each other's lives. And I, I, we're investing in our grace perspective, in our commitment, in our patience and resolve. And it needs to be adjusted to best account for the other person and for how they're seeing things and how they're able to respond to things. You know, with Sophie, who is eight, I can throw a ball a lot quicker and I also know that it's going to come back at me a lot quicker, but probably not in the same direction every time. And then Liv, who is free, sometimes just even getting something airborne for her is a win. And I've got to throw a softball and probably quite a large ball for her to get anywhere near it. And then I've just got to make sure the thing that comes back at me isn't a stone. You know, her, her catching is going to take quite a while because she's just not yet developed in that way. And so we literally celebrate anything, anything that is airborne, probably not a stone, but you celebrate in a different way to an older child. I don't know if that makes sense, but what, what am I saying? I guess what I'm trying to say is this, keep throwing the ball, keep throwing the ball, do it in different ways for different people, <clears throat> but keep throwing the ball, keep investing time, energy, passion, 
resources, care and love into people, if they don't catch the ball, if they don't throw it back in the way that you were hoping or expecting, don't worry about that. That's not why we do it. Keep throwing the ball. You know, I believe one of the greatest hallmarks on our lives, one of the hallmarks of the character traits that we're seeking to develop, one of the things that reflects our nature of becoming Christ-like is serving. The way up is the way down. We serve people in season or out of season. We serve people whether our needs are met or not. We serve people. We keep serving people, not because we'll get something back, not because it will always look how we hoped or that they will respond in a way that we expected, but we just keep serving people. You know, the way to growth in discipleship is not the way that the world would view it. It's completely reversed because the way up is the way down. Let me just frame this around this passage. Mark chapter 9 verse 33 says this, after they arrived in Capernaum and settled in a house, Jesus asked his disciples, I love this, he asked his disciples, what were you discussing on the road? But they didn't answer because they'd been arguing about which of them was the greatest. He sat down, he called the 12 over to him and he said, whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. Then he put a little child among them, taking a child in his arms, he said to them, anyone who welcomes this little child like this on my behalf welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes not only me, but also the father who sent me. You know, when Jesus caught his disciples arguing about who was the greatest, they felt embarrassed, but Jesus didn't rebuke them for wanting to be great. He simply gave them an unexpected way of viewing things. He said this, be the servant, be the servant. You add value to others by serving. He redirected their misplaced thinking into a new direction. Now, can we just dwell there just for a minute? Because before we think, well, we don't argue about who's the greatest, I see, I would reflect on seeing that kind of behaviour all of the time. Because we live in a season, we live in a time of heightened comparison. You're this, and I want it, and I need it. I'm better, I'm stronger, I'm faster, I'm sharper, I will stand on you to get where I want. That's what the world teaches us, that's what culture teaches us, that I'm the leader, I'm the pioneer, I'm the one you need to know. I'm the one. The root of that is often insecurity and misplaced understanding. And Jesus less than rebukes us, but he certainly wants to realign us. I just wonder, what is it for you? People might not even see it or even know that it's a thing for you because it might be well hidden. But what would Jesus catch in your heart? What would he see you arguing or wrestling about? What would you feel isn't right or isn't fair? Where's that seed of injustice in your heart or your mind that takes starts to take root? Because it's not about you and it's not about what you can get what the upside down kingdom, what the way up is the way down, is that it's about giving and it's about serving. 
You know, because it's so alien to our culture, because it's so alien to our normal behaviours, it can take some time and some understanding for us to grasp it and for us to start to make sense of it. Often people are aware of their needs, they're aware of their brokenness, they're aware of their worldview, and that alters and it impacts how we relate to others, and it alters and it impacts how we interact with others. Because we often want something, even subconsciously, we want some need or something to be met in ourselves. And yet Jesus turns the whole thing on his head. He gives us a completely different perspective or way of looking at it. The way up really is the way down. Rather than meet my need, rather than me get something back, I throw the ball anyway. Because I can't release what God has for me if I'm still clinging on to it. I throw the ball whether or not the person can catch it or whether or not they're going to throw it back. And I don't throw it spitefully so that it hits them in the face because I know that they can't yet catch it. I throw it gently, I throw it lovingly, I throw it kindly, and I throw it with the utmost grace. But while holding it, I'm not ready to receive what he has for me. Now, it might sound strange to put it like that. It might even be for you going a bit far or losing you in the analogy. But the thing with the kingdom of God is that it's only as we give it away it's only as we release it, it's only as we fully realise it's not about us and what we get that we truly find what it's all about. Mark ten forty three says this, But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. It's different among us. We don't play by the world's rules. You know, I think I've mentioned this before, but goodness me, that phrase, every time I see it or hear it or read it, it just arrests my heart. It will be different among you. You know, the Holy Spirit grabs me. Let him just grab you in this moment as you hear that. It will be different among me. You know, I'm supposed to be different. So do people notice that difference? Would you notice? Would my neighbours, colleagues, friends, family, would they notice that I'm different? Because among you, it will be different. The way up is the way down. Let me just say three brief things this morning in our time together about serving. Firstly, I believe it's healing. Secondly, I believe it's where we see God moments. And then thirdly, I believe it's where we see more of Jesus and we find more of Jesus and revelation of Jesus because this is his heart. So let's just talk about um, serving brings healing. Okay, I really, many of you will know this, I really like eating bacon and steak. I'm so sorry for the veggies, but it's been a while since I've talked about it. I'll keep this short, but I do. I really love both. And one thing I've noticed is that both of our girls love eating bacon and steak. I think they've inherited that from my obsessive constant talking about it. And I said the other day, I said to one of them, I said, what do you want to do tomorrow? And they were like, well, you know, eat bacon. And, uh, and then later on, I'd say like, oh, what should we have for tea? And it's like, well, should we have bacon? And I'm always asking them questions like that. And, you know, my quick fire questions, I'm like, right, name your favourite free, free things, go. 
and um, so so said to me, she's like, um, mm, bacon, you and Jesus, and I'm like, well, that's pretty good going, probably the wrong order, but I'm gonna I'm gonna take that, and um, high five to that. But anyway, the downside of them loving bacon, I've come to realise, is that I get less. They're having more, and therefore I get less. The price I'm paying as a result of their newfound love for the thing that I love is, is happening all over the place. It's not just with steak and bacon. The other day we're eating um, part of the meal, we're having some halloumi. Man alive. I saw it just to talk about food, but I love halloumi, particularly on the barbecue. But anyway, I'm looking at Soph's plate while she's eating, and I'm thinking, just in my head, I had this narrative going on. I'm like, in days gone by, those three pieces of halloumi that are sat on your plate would have been on mine. And I've got this story going on of like, what is, what is going on here? So the conversation in my head, of course, as a raving extrovert, eventually spills out. And I said, you know, so in days of old, you wouldn't have eaten them. I would have. Do you, do you want me to have them? And she's like, no, sorry, I love, I love halloumi. So I've had to kind of up my game a little bit. And I'm like, oh, look at that. <laughs> and as she turns around, I, I nabbed one of them, which, of course, went down like an absolute lead balloon. So she said, you know, I tell you what, why don't you eat one of these lettuce leaves? And I'll eat my halloumi. And I'm like, yay, because everybody wants a lettuce leaf. Do you, can, you, can you just imagine that scene? That is a true story. That is a reality of something that happened this week. But imagine... Imagine if I'm not talking about bacon or halloumi, because I'm obviously not. Imagine if there's something deeply formational to our character and to our hearts. There's something freeing and something liberating. There's something that realigns us and refocuses our perspective when we realise that we don't need what we want. That we don't need it at all. That when we realise that the thing that we think we should have when we think that the thing that meets our needs our criteria our longings our desires is actually to prioritize others before ourselves the passage says whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else for that even the son of man came not to be served but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many serving is healing because it frees us from thinking that it's all about us and having our needs met. It gives space for our character be, to be shaped and to be refined. But it's also healing because I believe there's a spiritual transaction that starts to take place. We often think we can't. I can't meet the needs of others. I've got so many of my own needs and so many things coming at me. You know, honestly, time and time again, and I've seen it and I've experienced it, as we put others first, there is an outpouring of grace and provision that allows us to then also have the resources that we need. Honestly, I believe it, and I believe it so deeply as we prioritise others, as we look to the needs of others, the thing that we thought we needed, our desire for whatever it is, gets realigned to a greater affection. The first thing is really this, that serving is healing. We need to serve. It's part of our healing. It's part of our becoming whole. The second thing is this. That's where we see the God moments. We don't need, I believe, to search too hard in the pages of the Bible to see this. When Jesus turned the water into wine, who saw and who realised the miracle? 
It was those serving what at the time they thought was ceremonial washing water, aka like dirty, filthy water, that they then saw that those that they served it to, they saw them say, hey, this is fine wine. Those been served the wine didn't necessarily realize or see the fullness of the miracle. It was those that were serving. The disciples, as they hand out the bread and the fish at the feeding of the 5,000, they saw the miracle of multiplication. They saw the miraculous happen in their hands. They didn't do the miraculous. Jesus did it. But they got to see it. They got to be part of engaging in the miracle. Now, honestly, this isn't just a model or a method. This is it. I believe this is what we're called to. We see the God moments as we do the stuff that he's called us to do. As we serve others, that's when we see the kingdom break in. If you have a need, if you have things in your own life, if you have weights and burdens and pressures and anxieties, if you have things that feel debilitating, it's often as we step out of our own selves and we invest and we love and we care and we serve others that we actually see the healing and the wholeness in our own lives and we see the God moment, we see the moment of breakthrough happen to us. Now let me give you an example right now, I believe not not just as a local church, but as the global church, as a global church community, there is a burden of not being able to physically gather together. Now I get that, I'm not diminishing that, I see that, I'm not trying to lessen that. Equally, we've always as a church, regardless of the pandemic, we've sought to prioritize others. At times, I've gotta be honest, that is a really hard thing to do because I see your needs, I see your pains, I see your burdens. But as I said a moment ago, I also believe as we serve, we're healed. So I believe we're trying to encourage you into a place of greater wholeness, into a place of activation in your faith because that's where we see kingdom breaking and kingdom breakthrough. It's as we serve the city, as we prioritise things like 422, as we give to people who can't give back to us that we start to see the God moments. You know, there's stuff happening at the minute and it's really quite remarkable around 422 but also in other areas, you know, the relationships, the opportunity, the provision that are profound God moments. It's seeing people have their eyes open to Jesus. It's seeing people realise what the church is for rather than the narrative that they've always heard and been taught of what the church is against. It's seeing financial and practical provision happen in ways that humanly often I've, I've got no explanation for because it moves the focus off us. You know the disciples argued because the focus was on themselves. The focus when we serve comes off us. We aren't looking to be served, we're looking to serve others. Among us, it should be different. And as we do it, as we live it out, we see the God moments. You know, if you're struggling to see where God is, where's he moving? You know, sometimes we can feel in that place. My challenge and my encouragement to you is step into the place of serving others. It will free you, it will heal you, it will place you in um, a greater environment of community and it will put you in an environment and a context to see God moments. 
That's why it happens. It happened. The miracles happened in the hands of the disciples as they were faithful, obedient, stepped out in faith and served God in all that he, all that Jesus asked of them. We aren't designed or created to be consumers, but to be participants. But so often the danger of the time that we live in creates consumers among us. The final thing I wanted to just share with us this morning is it's where we find more of Jesus because it's his heart. He didn't come to be served. He came to serve. So we find more of him when we live like him and when we do what he did and what he asked us to do. It's in the place of serving, therefore, that we find greater revelation. Now, that's really, really important. Because sometimes I think it can be seen as a draining thing. It can be seen as a task. It can be seen as like a, I'm doing this in a religious uh, mechanism kind of way. But it's not. Actually, it's supposed to be nourishing because we aren't seeking self-promotion or fulfillment. We're seeking obedience and alignment with the will of the Father. And doing that, living that out brings blessing, favour and nourishment. You know, when we you reflect, and I'd encourage you to because I think it's helpful, reflect on the tension between Mary and Martha. And we see that we can't do stuff to form our identity or to find our fulfillment. We find our identity and our fulfillment in Jesus and from that place we can do stuff. It says this in Luke 10, 38, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, it doesn't, doesn't, sorry, she said, Lord, it doesn't it seem unfair to you? There it is. There's that moment of complaint. Doesn't it seem unfair? There's the moment of, of injustice. This isn't fulfilling me. What about me? How are you? What, how's this going to benefit me? It doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work. Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you were worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken from her. You know, it's so important. We long to see the kingdom of God extended. But it's so important we remember that there is a king of the kingdom. We don't do stuff for the sake of it. We don't become so busy doing stuff for him that we forget to be with him. Serving can't become self-serving. We've got to remember the one thing. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you're worried and upset over these details. There is one thing worth being concerned about. We've got to remember the one thing, why we do it, who we do it for, who we do it with, that we have a heart aligned in sacrificial service of Jesus. And as we do, as we realise that, we find greater revelation and nourishment because the way up is actually the way down. We're healed as we serve, we see and we find God moments as we serve and we find and and we we align ourselves with more of his heart because this is who he is. This is what he came to do. He came to serve, not to be served. You know, today I just briefly wanted to encourage you and to ask you, what does that look like for you? 
Where is your time, your energy and your resources directed? Some of you need to step into a place of greater serving of others, to look up from beyond ourselves and look out for the needs of others. Some of you actually, it's not that, it's just that you will have become tired and you will have become weary of it. And I just want to say to you afresh today, and this 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 is it's important, I believe the picture will stick in your mind, is keep throwing the ball. Throw the ball again and keep throwing the ball. It's not about what you get back, but it's about what we release because that's what he's called us to do. We want to be people that make it count and be people that are his servants and servants of this city. I hope that's helpful to you this morning. Why don't we just spend some time reflecting and praying? Just invite the Holy Spirit among us.